Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly? Well, it's sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company, embrace life, drink good beer. We've got a lot to get to here on Soccer Weekly. And not the least of which, of course, is the World Cup. The final is set for Sunday. And would you believe it, Croatia will be taking on France. This is a massive, massive story. What a tournament it's been. Of course, all the hype there. We'll get into that as well. And going to be talking about LAFC and LA Galaxy. Some compare and contrast here midway through the season, right? So we got a lot to get to, certainly, in that department. MLS in full swing. Both teams now right around the midway mark of the season. In fact, LAFC playing 18 games already. Galaxy are at 18 as well. So just past the midway point of the campaign, and we'll take a look at what's going on with the, those two teams. Also going to be talking with Alex Dwyer, who's a friend of the show and a good guy, and he uh, spent some time in Russia at the World Cup. We'll get his thoughts on that. He also, of course, has covered LAFC throughout the season over for MLSsoccer.com, all of that. And, you know, coming up at 8 o'clock, by the way, one hour from now or less than an hour now, soccer tonight as we will break down even further the World Cup game, and we'll be joined by Mike Trudell for a segment or two, hopefully, of that one as well. So, speaking of the uh, World Cup, of course, Croatia gets by England 2-1. What a game. In stoppage, to, or extra time, I beg your pardon, Mario Mandzukic. What a move on that play. Am I wrong, or was that a brilliant goal? Off of that flicked-on header, which was also an amazing header, off the set piece. But, you know, here's one thing. First and foremost, little pet peeve time, all right? Just a little pet peeve. I got to say, I'm kind of tired about everybody pointing out, ooh, set pieces, they're important. Yeah, you know who else knows set pieces are important? Every team that plays soccer, okay? We all get it. Of course they're important. They're part of the game. That's why teams spend so much time on them both defending them or trying to anyway and trying to score on them. I get it. Yes, set pieces are important. We heard you the first 800 times. Okay? That's ridiculous. Yes, of course they're important. Everybody knows how important they are. Every last person who watches soccer. You don't even have to love soccer to know how important set pieces are. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3710. Seven six. There's a number to get involved. And you can hit us up on Twitter at Talk Soccer as well. That is the number there. It was a brilliant game. Really, uh, honestly, the uh, the goal by England early, it kind of it it didn't change how it was going to go. Obviously, I think Croatia deserved it fully. But was what was weird about it in a way is everybody kept talking, and I, I remember I poo pooed this with Mike Mike Trudell on Soccer Tonight yesterday. Oh, boy, Croatia, they've played these, you know, extra time, two games in a row. They're going to be worn out. They were the fresher team from the 60th minute on, without doubt. Now, I know they were chasing the game and were desperate and all that. They were the much fresher team, realistically. Croatia were Ironmen in this tournament. And now they get a several days off here, or, you know, a handful of days, rather, until Sunday and the final. No excuses. Who cares if they played three games? And these are these are boys. These are young men. Most of them in their twenties. 
who they can run forever and they get several days off in between each game, they're fine. Never an issue, never was going to be an issue, except for they look fresher. So maybe if you're talking about overall you know, fitness, Croatia cannot be disputed. They are top-notch. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776, the number for you to get involved here. And uh, let's go to the phones. Let's go to John, who's in Glendale, who's first up here. John, welcome to Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunham. What's going on? Hey, Dave. It's uh, third time I'm calling since uh, World Cup started. Uh, creation guy from Glendale, uh, or Hrvatska, as you know them. Yes. We're amazing game today, man. I, I Hats off to England. They they fought till the end. But uh, like you said, we did not look tired, uh, held possession second half, and really opened the game up. Yeah, I was really, uh, you know, it, it was it was not the usual suspects. I didn't think Rakitic even had that good of a game, if I'm being honest, John. I thought it was Perisic, of course, had a brilliant game. Certainly Modric was solid. And I really liked Rebic. I mean, he, he loses his head sometimes. Ante's got to be careful. He gets a little emotional sometimes, John. But he really had a brilliant game. I didn't think Rakitic even added that much in this game, ironically, which is actually a good sign in a way. Because oh, that means absolutely. He, he, and and I think the most underrated player is uh, Shima Rizalko, the right back. He was oh, first, he had a brilliant uh, game. Yeah, Rizalko was awesome. And, and then he cleared the ball off. Oh, that yeah, that save was the best save of the tournament so far. Forget absolutely. keepers. Yeah. I mean that yeah. might have yeah that might have saved everything for Croatia and you know John I know you wanted to mention something you're too polite to do it John is right I didn't even have Croatia leaving the group but it turns out oh by the way Group D you know Argentina we gave a lot of grief to apparently Group D was a lot tougher than we thought it was going to be let's be realistic here because <laughs> Croatia is now going to the final so congratulations John enjoy the heck out of it no matter what happens on Sunday but I know you want to win that good luck thank you very much. You bet. Appreciate John Glendale. He's too, he was too nice of a man to point out what he wanted to point out, which I don't blame him, is that I didn't even have Croatia leaving the group in my picks. I thought Nigeria would would do the business and, and squeak by them in a tough group because I had Argentina winning it. Now, as it turns out, Croatia was dominant, as we all remember. So this is not a big surprise once we saw Croatia. But in a way, in a weird way, everybody thought, oh, Argentina's terrible. Yeah, they struggled a little bit here. and Yeah, no doubt. You know what, though? Argentina, they got run over by Croatia. Turns out they're pretty good, right? Turns out Croatia's pretty good. And, they, you know, they've been playing everybody pretty tough. So this is the thing about the tournament. you got to kind of sometimes let it kind of just find itself, if that makes sense. You know, you got to let it breathe a little bit, if you will. Because we were giving Argentina a whole lot of grief. Who knocked Argentina out in a brilliant round of 16 game? Anybody remember? Yeah, I'll whisper it to you. France. So for all the grief we gave Argentina, and again, deserved for the most part, they uh, lost to Croatia and France in this tournament. <laughs> so, again, sometimes you got to let these tournaments breathe. And now we get a rematch of Belgium-England in the third-place game, which, for me, has always hurt. I understand why FIFA does it. Don't try to text me and say, well, of course they make money. Yes, I know. That's why they do it. But why don't you just not have the third place game and just call both teams semifinalists? Do we really care who came in third or fourth? Really? I'm not saying all those games are even that bad. There's been some very good third place games, actually, over the many years that I've watched the World Cup. There have. But I'm not interested in that. I'm not really interested. And I don't think the players really should be subjected to that, if, in all honesty. 
I think what you just call them semifinalists. Boom, done. You both get to semifinal. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. LA Galaxy and LAFC, as I mentioned, just past the halfway point. And I wanted to do a little compare and contrast. Galaxy get a big win, 4-0 over Columbus over the weekend. Played really well. Now they even up their record, 7 wins, 7 losses, and 4 draws. They're currently on 25 points, just a point out of the 6th spot in the West. And LAFC, of course, are, have been incredible. Another big win. They're 34 points, 2nd in the West by 1 point. 10 wins, 4 losses, 4 draws. Oh, by the way, all you people who watch MLS and have heard nothing but Atlanta United's offense, Atlanta United's offense, yeah, it's real good including five goals against LAFC, most of that because of some horrific refing at the end of the game, if I'm being honest. Yeah, Atlanta United's offense is really good. They scored one more goal than LAFC in two more games. Let that sink in. That's why I pause there. That's the old radio pause. LAFC has scored one less goal than Atlanta in two less games. And this is without... Carlos Vela and Marco Arrania and Omar Gap, everybody going to the World Cup. And Rossi missing a couple of games with injury. And Mark Anthony K missing a game. This team is L-O-A-D-E-D loaded. But you know who else is loaded? LA Galaxy. They're turning it around at the right time. And I got into it a little bit with some uh, people on Twitter about Gio Dos Santos. He has to be a big part of what the Galaxy are going to do. And I really think this is a dangerous team. The Galaxy are a dangerous club going forward. And people, and it's going to be because of Gio Dos Santos. We know Ibrahimovic is going to score buckets of goals, right? He has been all year, even when they lose. We know Alessandrini is going to play well. He does all year, every year and every game, even when they lose. The key player for LA Galaxy is Giovanni Dos Santos. That's how far they'll go. And I'm telling you, Dos Santos takes a lot of grief. He didn't have a good start to the... He was worried about the World Cup. Now, for better or for worse, that doesn't make it right, or that doesn't make it better. That doesn't help the Galaxy. But he was worried about the World Cup. That's over. The Galaxy are going to be a dangerous team going forward. But you know who they're going to threaten? They're going to threaten the best teams in the West. And you know who they are? Yeah, Sporting Kansas City, LAFC, and FC Dallas. Those are the teams in the Western Conference. They are the real teams. They've got a little bit of everything, all three of them. I have never seen in my covering of sports, right? I've been around L.A. for a long time. I've been around sports for even longer. I have never seen a franchise quite like Los Angeles Football Club. And I'm just saying, I'm telling you the truth. I love what they're doing. I love being a part of it, right? I happen to be the play-by-play voice, if you don't know that. I love what I'm doing for them. This team is incredible. This organization is incredible. And that's the bottom line. Don't think the LA Galaxy are not going to be a threat in the West. They are. But the team they're going to have to go chase is LAFC, whether the Galaxy fans want to hear that or not. That's just the way it is. LAFC is not going anywhere. They're adding Andre Horta. 877-710-ESPN, 
710-3776. But what it does, L.A. soccer fan, is that it creates a whole lot of fun for the second half of the season. And so often you hear people talk about sports, regular seasons, ah, you know, NBA regular season is worthless, right? And it is. Major League Baseball's regular season is so long, and you got the wild card. It's just the NFL, college football, yeah. Major League Soccer, it's going to be a fun second half of the regular season because of Los Angeles Football Club and L.A. Galaxy and the battle that they're about to do here. And LAFC is off and running. The Galaxy are looking like in the distance trying to catch them. They're going to be a threat in the playoffs. But they're going to have to threaten teams like FC Dallas, LAFC, and Sporting Kansas City. Guaranteed. 877-710-ESPN. I am Dave Dunholm. Coming up next, Alex Dwyer is going to join us. We're going to talk about the World Cup. Alex uh, took part of that, uh, traveled around Russia a little bit. I'm looking forward to talking with him about that. That's next here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly is brought to you by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out. Puente Hills Toyota. Dot com. Joining us now, as promised, he is uh, from LLSsoccer.com, good friend of the show, good guy as well, Alex Dwyer. Alex, thanks for taking the time, buddy. Always good to talk to you. Hey, Dave. Good to hear your voice. You know, when I was out there in Russia, lost out in the <laughs> trains, I thought, who knows if I'm ever going to make it back. <laughs> well, let's start there. How are the trains most important? How was the travel? was everything going transportation-wise in Russia? You know, I, I think I, I first just have to say that's my fourth World Cup Um you know, the last three I was at as well. And this was, it blew, blew my mind how well organized it was, how many chances for interaction between different people there were. They did these great free trains if you had, you know, tickets to the matches and they were just chock full of, full of supporters. And it was, you know, it was a special, unique, awesome World Cup, even compared to the, the other ones I'd, I'd been to. So wow, nothing well, but fantastic. kudos for the way that they did that. And the U.S. certainly uh, can learn a lot from, from the way Russia ran this this tournament. It's been fantastic. Well, yeah, you know, and there's no excuse of like, oh, Russia, well, the United States is so spread out. Yeah, Russia's got a pretty big land mass themselves to deal with there, too. Not, maybe not quite as, you know, so uh, good call there. Alex, uh, what games, you know, where were you at, man? What, what did you experience? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to uh, to snag some, some really great uh, games at the end of the group stage. So I got to see uh, Marco Arrhenia line up against Thiago Silva for uh, for Brazil. Saw so that Costa Rica Brazil game um, in St. Petersburg, and then rushed rushed over to Moscow to catch Belgium play Tunisia. And that I think it was a five two, just total gold, gold, yeah. gold, goals. Um, and then back to St. Petersburg for Argentina's last ditch uh, victory against Nigeria, oh. and um, that was special. You know, between going to these four World Cups and three European Championships, there's just no question in my mind that the Argentine fans are by far, far and away the, the best in the world for me. You know, they're sort of artists in the stands. They create an incredible atmosphere and walking around the concourse during the end of that, that Argentina victory was just you know, surreal. You might as well have been in Buenos Aires. So, <laughs> well, it is funny. Yeah, I was I always and, then, and then I did get to catch the last game, uh, Carlos Vela playing for, for Mexico in, against Sweden out in Ekaterinburg. So went all the way, you know, across yeah. the country to the far east border border with the uh, Siberia area. Um, so that was that was pretty special too. Yeah, that is good. But you know, you talk about the Argentine fans. I've always said that that is the best soccer nation in the world. 
with their league, you know, how they support their teams. They export so much talent, and yet they just the fans are just incredible, no doubt about it. And another thing that I was talking about earlier, Alex, is, oh, by the way, we gave uh, Argentina a lot of grief for their performances. The two games they've lost were to France and to Croatia. So, you know, the Argentines yeah, are going to lose. Yeah, in retrospect, I think a lot of the flack they got was definitely undeserved. Um, over at, uh, at on The Athletic, Nick Dorrington did a great piece on just how – how messed up the AFA is and how much credit actually the Argentine players deserved for being yeah. able to sort of ride the storm and still, you know, qualify and still make it to three consecutive finals, you know, before this. So, so uh, for me, I, w- I wasn't disappointed um, too, too terribly in the, you know, the nation I sort of wanted to go through as well. So, yeah, that France-Argentina uh, round of 16 game was uh, certainly legendary. What have, you, what have you seen in terms of, Alex, following the tournament in like, Croatia versus France? I mean, these certainly are the two teams, in my estimation, playing the best football right now. Yeah, and I actually was in Kazan um, for the Argentina-France game. I was there at the Fan Fest for that one. I ended up not deciding against uh, procuring some tickets for that, but you know, I got to be there in the ramifications and, you know, see some of the French celebrations, um, very, you know, a, a much smaller contingent than the Argentines, of course. But, you know, the, the following for Croatia, on the other hand, is it's substantial. And Croatia, despite being such a small nation, their fans always come out in huge numbers. And I think that team, despite also kind of creeping in qualification-wise, has, I think, shown time and again in this tournament that they're they're just not going to, they're not going to go away, and it, yeah. you, you got to think if it's going to be a close game against France for the final, you got to tip Croatia. You know, to, I think to to win the game if it's close, if France can sort of get ahead of them early and put a couple goals past them, you know, with some of their speed and and their youth, maybe we got a different story. But if if it's a close game, I wouldn't be surprised if Croatia, you know, captures their first cup. We are talking with Alex Dwyer from uh, writes for MLSsoccer.com. Of course, he covers LAFC which uh, obviously we've had conversations on. Alex, The uh, Carlos Vela, of course, comes back now. They get Marco Arrena back you know, off that World Cup high, which is great. Vela got a great ovation, a huge standing ovation, and a huge response from the crowd back at Bank of California Stadium. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody's any worse for wear ever by going to play at the World Cup by any means. But it, LAFC, it's almost as though they don't have room for all the players they have now with Andre Horta coming in. I mean, this is a, obviously an embarrassment of riches for Bob Bradley and John Thorrington. Yeah, and you, you said it, and I think right before I jumped on, they're, they're just loaded. They're stacked. Um, it's really, I think depth was something a lot of people brought up early on because they built their roster slowly, but they built it smartly. And at this point, it's tough to see where the gaps are, um, barring any serious injuries to, to players or anything. And, um, yeah, I'm just as excited for you to just sort of strap in and see what this team can do in the second half of the season. Um, seeing the way Horta will sort of fit in, and you know he might be debuting as early as this weekend, um, or even during the U.S. Open Cup match on Wednesday, both of which are against Portland. Which I'd also like to add that I think Portland is a, you know, their streak that they're on is quite good. So we've we've got even already just started the second half of the season some really important games for for the teams at the top of the, the Western Conference. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, LAFC knows how good Portland is already. So these games yeah. coming up at Bank of California Stadium, both uh, the 15th and the 18th at 
the bank or against Portland in both the U.S. Open Cup, as Alex mentioned, and the MLS uh, game, which comes up on the 15th here, which, oh, by the way, is the day of the final. Alex, how long did it take you to decompress after that? Like, it's such a big event and so much. I mean, it's so, you know, obviously you've done yeah, it before. I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm even fully <laughs> decompressed yet, just because I'm still full throttle. You know, jumping in front of the TV during the, yeah. the England Croatia match today and all that. So I'm. I'm still. I still feel like I'm in Russia, and you know, I think uh, you know, bringing it back to the trains in the beginning. There was a moment um, when I was coming back from Kazan to Moscow. We were getting in a little bit late, and we had to watch the Russia Spain game sort of on this grainy cell phone video that was giving you know giving out between towers with you know just this, in this hallway of a train with several russian guys some random guys from saudi arabia a bunch of the argentine fans myself and the friends that i went with and we're just you know losing our minds when we see akinfeyev just you know kick that last kick save oh, you know man. just that that moment those are the those i think seeing seeing russia emerge there in that game i've just been still Still, you know, full bore, one hundred percent on a high since since then. <laughs> this has been a great tournament, and yeah, I can't I can't wait for the final. What did what did that do there? Because Alex, we talked about it here. Everybody was talking about it. I, you, you know, obviously, you were over there at the time. But that Russia was doing well. That they obviously beat Spain, played Croatia tooth and nail. You know, certainly not many teams have done that so far. Obviously, until this knockout stage. And what did it do for the tournament as a whole, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's always, always great when the hosts do well. You know, and when I was in South Africa in 2010, seeing them score the goal against Mexico in their opening group game was as good as they got to a victory. But even that had the nation on a high for, you know, the next several days. And I think Russia, for sure, for me, has been far and away the surprise Um you know, it's it's unbelievable what they've done, how hard they worked, the fact that they hadn't had any of the major stars on the, you know, on the lineup. Yeah. It, it was just, it was it was totally unpredictable, even more than what Croatia has done. And, you know, I think I had a lot of friends who wanted to stay home from this World Cup just because it's Russia. But, you know, governments are governments, people are people. And I, and for me, the the Russian fans after that game, I went to Red Square immediately. As I got into the station and caught the last of the uh, Croatia Denmark game, and mm-hmm. just being in Red Square with those fans, seeing the joy, it was it was probably a little bit like for them what the uh, the Miracle on Ice was for the United States. You know, just something so unlikely, so you know, overcoming a team like Spain. And yeah, I'm I was I was just stunned to see that. I think of the four World Cups I'd been to, that's probably the biggest upset. Oh yeah. That is so awesome. I, I love it. I love talking about the stories from people who have experienced it. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time. It's always a pleasure. We'll see you out at LAFC, I presume, soon. I know, you, again, you got to decompress, but uh, yeah, nothing like a little no, I'll football. Be, I'll be out there, too. You know, that's the great thing about this year. As you yeah. said, this, the second half of the season is just going to bring us right in after the World Cup. And, you know, the, the MLS this year is easily the most exciting it's it's been since i think its inception so oh couldn't agree more that's a great point it absolutely you're you're absolutely right there's going to be so many things to look for the scoring race all the great play yeah this this uh, general allocation and targeted allocation money has changed everything over the last couple of seasons no doubt absolutely. about it yep. he is uh, alex uh, alex dwyer thank you so much for taking the time where can they find you on twitter can you add, add wheezy i love that right isn't that yeah, uh, 
Adweezy. Oh, Adweezy. That makes more sense then. I'm like, I'm thinking of Adweezy, like the old Jefferson or some Wheezy, you know. <laughs> so, Adweezy makes a lot more sense. I'm so old, Alex. Oh my gosh. Alex Dwyer, MLSsoccer.com, a good dude. And uh, thanks so much for sharing your experiences in Russia. Alex, appreciate the time, man. Good talking to you. Yep. Talk soon, Dave. Great stuff from Adweezy. That makes more sense on Twitter. Gosh, I am so old. Oh, that's hilarious. He is a great guy. Follow him there. He uh, writes some great stuff, too. He really is a very talented dude. I, you know, now that he's off the air, I can kind of talk him a little bit about him uh, like that. I don't like to do it when people are on the air. Probably makes him a little uncomfortable. I don't care. But I'm a fan of his, and I appreciate him taking the time. Great to hear his perspective on traveling around Russia during the World Cup. That is something I have not yet been able to do. I became a fan of soccer, as you know, if you've listened to this show for more than about seven minutes in 1994 because of the world cup here in the united states and i just but i wasn't able to go to a game i just ended up following it like oh my gosh this is incredible watching it on tv and you know hearing about the u.s then i got into you know because i I love professional sports i knew mls was coming around after they they said basically that's the reason the united states got the world cup so i was all pumped and ready to go for mls and that's how it began so i cannot wait at some point, I want an opportunity. I mean, I watch everything. You know, I don't miss a second virtually, but I want to get there myself. Uh, thanks so much to Alec, Alex Dwyer for sharing those thoughts with us. You can hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776, a number to get involved. We'll talk a little bit more about what we've been discussing all show. It's the World Cup. Croatia will take on France in the final. And, oh, by the way, I am super pumped. For the second half of the MLS season, LAFC and LA Galaxy are going to be battling it out in the Western Conference with the Galaxy having a mighty chase on their hands to try to track down the three best teams in the West, FC Dallas, Sporting Kansas City, and the best offense, in my estimation, in MLS, and that's LAFC. So the, plenty of work to be done, but we got so much to discuss. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776, or hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. Oh, man, the show just just rolls on. I love chatting football with you. It's time now for the Health Report on Soccer Weekly. It's sponsored by LA Care as the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. LA Care is elevating health care in the City of Angels. LA Care for all of LA, lacare.org. Want to take a look at LAFC. Uh, Still got some issues uh, with the injuries. Eduardo Tuesta had that left ankle sprain. Good news, Adia. Diego Rossi has come back from missing a game. Uh, Omar Gabber, though, still out with a right thigh sprain as well. And a couple of the goalies who have struggled with the leg injuries, Quillen Roberts and the longer-term Luis Lopez. For the Galaxy, uh, Ro Felcher still out, obviously a little bit long-term with that shoulder surgery. Sebastian Legette is still uh, questionable with the ankle injury. So that's always an, an issue, if you will, for the Galaxy going forward. But, you know, look, these two teams, they were on fire over the weekend, no doubt about it. Both teams are bagging four goals. And uh, really, look, here's the thing. Bottom line is I want these two teams to be in the Western Conference Final battling. That's That's just where they belong. I said it all the time with the Lakers and Clippers. That's what they should be doing. When you have L.A. teams, you should be winning. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Croatia defeats England 2-1 in extra time. They didn't have to go to penalties this time as Mario Mandzukic found a way. Let's go to the phones, 877-710-3776. Mike in North Hollywood. Mike, welcome to Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunholm on ESPN L.A. 710. Hey, Dave. How you doing, man? Big fan of the show. Thank you, buddy. 
All right. Well, I uh, just want to say, man, I think that goal from England was a blessing in disguise for Croatia because it just really put them into cruise mode. England lost all their momentum after that, and they were never able to grab back control of the game, while as Croatia, they just seemed to have more experience and were just more determined to, to score a couple goals. And then Gareth Southgate, his substitutions didn't really change the game at all, so they got outmatched by their manager tactically. Yeah, and, uh, last know, thing. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Think, Finish up on that. Uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Last thing. I think France is definitely going to win the World Cup. Hopefully. I don't know if you remember. I called last week. They said they were going to win. I think they're stronger in midfield, and that has saying something because Croatia probably has one of the best midfields in the world right now. Yeah, Mike. I you know I don't disagree that uh, France is looking really good. I appreciate the phone call. I'll let Mike listen to this off the air, but you know, I, I will say Mike is actually kind of wrong about the uh, England Croatia thing. I like where he's going with the fact that the goal kind of slowed England down. But here's the thing, Mike. It really didn't actually matter in my estimation. I just don't think England was good enough in a sense, if that makes sense. It looked like that. And I was kind of feeling the same way. Like, where is England after this goal? I just believe the more I studied the game and the more you think about it, I believe it's just Croatia. They just they were that good. you know. And they really, they really just didn't wilt. It was more about the fact that Croatia didn't go away or panic. Now, obviously, it was an early goal, and those things do change games. You may be onto something with that. I didn't quite see it that way. I mean, it's an interesting theory, but I, I don't think that England was going to be in cruise control. I think it was more of like they just weren't as good in the long run, and sometimes that is the case. You know, sometimes it is the fact that a team loses their way, and maybe they're better than the team they're playing, but they aren't. Are they are on cruise control, or they lose? You know, their focus. I don't think that was the case. I just don't think England had enough answers going forward. And Harry Kane was playing a little too deep a lot of the time for me. And it, it just, it, and maybe in part, was that was in part to try to, you know, withstand that midfield for Croatia. But even, I didn't think Rakitic had that good of a game. And yet it was other guys who picked him up. Perisic and Rebic. And, you know, of course, the list goes on and on with Croatia. Obviously, we know the names. Mandzukic had another solid game. Mandzukic is just tough. He's just good. He's not world-class by any means. Dude can play. Curtis is in Ventura. Curtis, welcome to Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm. What's going on, man? Hey, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Um, firstly, I'd like to say full disclosure. I'm an Ar- Arsenal supporter, so this is this is where you, you'll be able to tell where this is going. But I'm so delighted that England got knocked out. And, um, you know, full of Manchester United and Tottenham players. Uh, and they showed how spursy they can be on the world stage. It was awesome watching that. But um, I just Man, want you guys to are just one... ruthless. Over, I'm serious. The, the EPL fans are just ruthless. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's right. We have to be. Uh, but uh, one thing I want to mention was it was a little annoying hearing a lot of the love for England because I thought they played really poorly. Um, the English FA they continually hire all these English managers who are like ten years behind in the world of coaching and um, Southgate. I mean, they're playing like football, like Bolton 2007. Sam Allardyce would have been proud. Yeah. And so um, my idea, I'd love a... for them to sack him. They probably won't now. They made the semifinal. But I'd love no, for look. them to hire Arsene Wenger. And uh, he, I, I honestly believe they're more talented than a lot of the teams they played. Um, and Arsene would probably get them playing some, some pretty football. That's my Sweet opinion. Mercy, anyway. you are an Arsenal fan. There is no way on earth that's going to happen. And here's the thing. I don't necessarily disagree that on some level maybe they you know people are going to kind of over dramatize or over glamorize how they actually played like on the pitch but then again 
They took it to Sweden, who, by the way, was pretty darn tough throughout most of the tournament. They really took Colombia off their game in the knockout stage. I, I really, I, th- I think we're underestimating how well England played, and really, it was about Southgate getting the absolute most he could out of those players, in my estimation. Now, I had England going to the semifinals. I picked England to go to the semifinals. It's the only team I got right going to the semifinals because I kind of thought they didn't have a, a lot of pressure, and I think that's really how it played out. I don't. They really didn't have that much pressure on them throughout this tournament, and it ended up working out for them in that in that respect. But, yeah, let's not undersell how well they played throughout most of the tournament, especially against some pretty darn good teams, as it turned out in the knockout stage. I think that when you're scoring 75% of your goals from set pieces and corners and you're not really creating that many chances. Wait a minute, though. Like I said earlier, those are a big part of the game. We all know that. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? You can't, like, if you can't defend a set piece, you don't necessarily deserve to win because you can pass the ball around like Eden Hazard. I mean, sorry. That's a huge part of the game, right? And they did it well. They did it really well. It, it is, but it's not something that's sustainable. And as soon as they came up against an actual legit midfield in Croatia, that's when they got shut well, down. Yeah. They, they got as far as they could. That's the bottom line. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right about that. And they deserve praise for that. But they weren't, they weren't good enough. He's absolutely right. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. 877-710-ESPN. Uh, he's right. England was not good enough. They didn't deserve to beat Croatia. Not because that they were so much worse. No. Croatia barely won that game, but Croatia deserved to win it. Does that make sense? Of course it does. Because it's football, right? We know not every game's going to end up 3-0. That doesn't mean the team that wins didn't really deserve it. Croatia fully deserved to win that game. Yeah, it went into extra time. Could have went into penalties. England could have won. Croatia deserved it. So did France. We talked about that yesterday. France deserved it. The two most deserving teams are playing for the title. They're playing for the World Cup. That is fantastic. 877-710-ESPN. The Ace252 tweets me at, at Talk Soccer. He says, finally, I agree with you on something. Oh, wait, on Rakitic, he said. He wasn't himself today. Modric, Modric looked tired but still brilliant. Yeah, he did. Modric, Modric looked a little worn down. The rest of the team didn't. And Rakitic was a little off. But, again, not bad news for Croatia when you still win to get ready for that game against France on Sunday. And the French do have that extra day of rest, which, you know, is a factor, certainly, but I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. These are kids. These are young kids running around playing a game. I think they'll be fine after three or four days rest. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776 is the number to get involved here. Uh, Patrick in Pasadena, you're next up here on Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm. Welcome, Patrick. Dave, a couple of quick points. I'll touch up on Croatia, England real quick. I thought the entire tournament, huge, I thought, I was saying from the beginning, I thought Croatia was one of the better teams, but I thought they looked tired throughout the tournament. This was the first game in the second half where I felt like they looked fresh. I felt like they were running down more balls than England. Yeah. And I, I think, honestly, that was the difference. Towards Can the I tell you why, I, Patrick? And I think you're absolutely right based on what I saw from Croatia in the early knockout stages, you know, those games. And I think it was because they were afraid to lose. I know that sounds crazy, but they know how good they are, Patrick. You know what I mean? And they were like playing not to lose. And they looked, yeah, they looked, they looked tired. You're absolutely right. I mean, you nailed it. And the way you say it is right. They looked tired. They looked a little, they looked worried in those first few games. Today they were down early, as one of the earlier calls said, and it almost took the pressure off in a weird way. 
that they had to go play. So they looked better. They looked fresher. You're absolutely right. And I think they'll be fine in the final. If they just come out and play against France, just go get them. Just go play. You know, whatever. Ha- if you lose, you lose. Take your shot. I'm- I, one other point, if you don't mind, on sure. a kind of different note, going to MLS American Soccer, I was kind of the same as you, except I, I started playing soccer when I was three. I played 18 years. I, went, I grew up, you know, in L.A., and I remember the night I had hamsters toning me all over Roberto Baggio, and I remember sitting behind Vladi Divac at the first Galaxy game and, and got wow. really big into MLS, and I, and I felt like that died off because of the quality of MLS. It was, you would sit there, and especially as, as you played the sport, even as an amateur level, you're, you weren't impressed by the level of skill. And, I, and I, uh, you know, you end up turning to Europe and watching like Shevchenko and Seydorf and, and these greats where it was just such a level of difference. And I fell off MLS and, and, and signed up for LAFC, became a season ticket holder. And, and this year, the level of play is is kind of night and day from where it was years ago, oh. and I wonder if if you kind of you know they didn't have these academies when I was young. If you see um, America, there's a very good American soccer players, and you can see them. And um, it's embarrassing that we're not in the World Cup, and I wonder where you see us, the direction we're going in the next four years. You know, well, Patrick, in, uh, I, I do appreciate that. Thank you for the phone call. It's good stuff. I mean, your, your story is not unique in that sense that a lot of people felt the way you did about early MLS. There are a couple of factors, and I don't say it lightly. It's the it's the allocation money. Now, how, how to explain that in the sense it's not really important. The rules about what MLS is doing, they're basically just spending more money on players, bottom line. And they're doing it in a sense of they're bringing in good young talent. And I'll keep I'll continue with this because Patrick makes a good point, and I want to discuss that. LAFC is a key example of that. They're bringing in good talent, but it's also good young talent. They're spending wisely, most of these teams. Not all, and that's just the way it is. That's professional sports. I will continue this conversation, though. 877-710-ESPN. I want to get to this as soon as, uh, when we, uh, you know, as, soon as we rejoin from the break. 877-710-ESPN. And uh, the, uh, the Twitter handle is at TalkSoccer. This is Soccer Weekly. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Like the steely-voiced man just told you, I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. You're listening because you love good radio, first and foremost, and we all love the beautiful game. Oh, by the way, so even if you don't love the beautiful game on the 710 or you're driving to the 405, you're still hanging around. I get it. I get it. We're having fun here. Uh, one tweet I want to get to at Talk Soccer. Uh, T Money tweets in Southgate took out Henderson and Sterling today instead of Ali and Lingard. And this was the difference. Could have really controlled the midfield with Dyer and Hendo and severely outpaced Croatia with Rashford, Kane, and Sterling. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of hindsight. I don't necessarily disagree with what T Money's saying. But Gareth Southgate, he had done a pretty darn good job to get him as far as they... I really I really feel like England went absolutely as far as they could in this tournament. A 2-1 loss in extra time in the semis. That was as far as England could go. And that's where I picked them to lose. I had them in the semis. I didn't really... I didn't even... I kind of thought it was a long shot to begin with, even though I picked them. I thought it was kind of like, a, oh, I'm taking a chance here. But they went as far as they could, bottom line. And you got to give Gareth Southgate, Southgate a lot of credit for that. He wrung out as much as he could out of that talent. He did. Because don't tell me these guys are all, you know, oh, world class. The people are asking, or actually I had another tweeter earlier who was asking, what does this mean for some of the England players? Are they going to be able to make bigger moves? You know, which is a good question because that's what happens with the World Cup. No, they all play in the premiership already. They're all well overpaid. 
some of these guys. Now, they're all you know, fine players. But if you look at this English squad, now certainly Harry Kane, is he can play anywhere. Okay, I get that. And, yeah, they've got some talent on this team, but come on. This is not uh, Brazil of 1958, okay? This is not the 1970 Brazil team. Let's pump the brakes. I think Gareth Southgate did about as good as he could. Now, I want to go back to the point Patrick and Pasadena made. He's talking about being an MLS fan at first, but then he fell off because the level was really bad over the years, and now he's back with LAFC as a season ticket holder, which is awesome. And, oh, by the way, Patrick is impressed. He's seeing great football. Yes, he is. He is seeing one of the best offenses that we've ever seen in MLS. <laughs> yes. It doesn't matter that Carlos Vela goes away. They still score in buckets of goals. Now, LAFC needs Carlos Vela, make no mistake. But they have guys and have depth that can get the job done. They're missing Eduardo Tuesta now with an injury. Haven't missed a beat. Carlos Vela and Marco Arrena left to go to the World Cup for, what, five, six games? Didn't miss a beat. Five games? They're playing great. And it's it's not it's symptomatic, of course. That's just LAFC. They've done a great job, John Thorrington, building this club. This club, I'm loving what they're doing. But I also got to give kudos to MLS. They're spending more money. And one of the ways you can tell that the league has gotten better, and it's not. it sounds worse. Let me explain it the way I say it. There are very few Americans in starting lineups in Major League Soccer. Now, at first you're going to think, oh, you hate American players, Denholm. Or you might even say, oh, well, he's right. Good. There's the Americans stink. No, that's not my point. There are great American soccer players all over the world. There are very few of them left in starting lineups in Major League Soccer. MLS looks a whole lot more like other leagues do, right? Some of the top leagues around the world barely have players from their own country. We know this. We see it. Man City ring a bell? Well, let's take a look. Two games in MLS tonight that were played. NYCFC ran over Montreal in the East 3-0. Let's just take a look at these starting lineups, especially New York City, because I know Montreal's very cosmopolitan. Like, they go all over. Like, Montreal's brought in players from all over. That's great. Even New York City FC, NYCFC. Let me see. One, two. I'm counting, and I could be wrong on this, four starters that are American, maybe three, because I, I, I think Alex Ring. Yeah, he's, he's no, I'm sorry, he's from Finland, of course, Alexander Ring. Yeah, but I watched him play for Finland in the qual. Three starters that are American for NYCFC, if my numbers are right. Let's go to Montreal Impact. These are, these are out of the starting 11, right? The Impact might have one American in their starting 11. Yeah, guy from, uh, oh, by the way, from Ohio, Evan Bush, right? One. Now, I know that's, a, okay, Denholm, that's a Canadian team. Okay, fine. You look around the league. And it is the same just about everywhere. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. That's what all leagues do. You bring in talent from all over the world. That's the beauty of our game. That is why it's the beautiful game. Because you can find talent everywhere in the world. Every country. From every corner. I love that. And even a team like Philadelphia, who actually plays a lot of those academy kids, you can still count several players that they've gone and gotten around the world. Bojack Dachkal comes to mind. Medunian. Ilsenio. I mean, these are big performers for them. Corey Burke is another one who's really starting to play well. The Jamaican. Oh, he's going to be tough. He's going to be a handful. But it's a great, it's a great sign for MLS. 
that they're now st- it, it looks more and more like other leagues, top leagues, because they're going out and getting players from all over. Now, MLS has always done that to a small extent, but they were so focused on, oh, the American player, oh, the American player. What are we going to do? we got to get the best players. We want to watch good football. And if that means 11 Americans or 11 foreign players coming in, I know the rules don't necessarily allow for that, and that's fine. We still want American players to be, you know, to grow up and play in MLS and succeed. I'm all for that, but you don't have to. You don't have to overly rely on it. Just go get good footballers. That's what they're doing. Eight seven 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 ten ESPN. We're wrapping up the first hour. Don't forget soccer tonight coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to break down and work up that World Cup final. I cannot wait. You can also hit us up on Twitter. Continue the conversation at talk soccer let's go to stoppage time here with the great mario reese producer of the show host of stoppage time he is mario reese mario what's going on man well i gotta say uh i gotta say thanks and uh i gotta say i'm so happy that the thailand youth soccer team and their coach were finally rescued on tuesday after 17 days of being trapped in a flooded cave Man. I would lose my mind, Mario. I would I lose cannot. my mind. Those kids are so strong, and the people who helped them rescued them. And let's remember the one, unfortunately, one I believe one person lost their life. Yeah, the Navy the SEAL. Attempts. Yeah, that's a sad story, obviously. But it turns out a pretty, a pretty happy ending in terms of getting all those children out of there. That's an amazing story. Yeah, thank God. Uh, yeah. All right, so Ronaldo making his move from Real Madrid to Juventus. Who should Real Madrid go for uh, to replace CR7 Cristiano Ronaldo? There's a lot of big names out there, Dave. Who do you think they, they should go for? The rumors are swirling, Mario. Oh, yeah. It's a great question. Uh, one of the rumors is a bit of a triumvirate. They want Neymar, Aiden Azard, and Kylian Mbappe to kind of bring them all in to kind of replace Ronaldo. You know that, And it's not really about just the goals, which, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo scored more than a goal a game for Real Madrid. Just let that sink in. It's about the impact, too, right? Oh, the yeah. Stardom. Mm-hmm. They need more than one, Mario. I think you have to start with Mbappe. Now, I think it's going to be Neymar because he's a little like older and, and, and I guess a little more along the way of being a superstar. Right. Like where he, but Mbappe is the future. Oh, so yeah, if you, for if sure. If you get Neymar and Mbappe, uh, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> Love it. Oh, by the way, they play on the same team now in France. Does anybody remember this? I mean, geez. <laughs> PSG is loaded, for crying out loud. All right, that's good stuff. Thanks, Mario Rees. That was stoppage time. Hey, once again, stick around. It's soccer tonight. I'm coming back at you. I'm going to have a Mike Trudell coming up. We're going to be breaking down the World Cup. That's next here on the home of world football in Southern California. You know it and you love it. ESPN LA 710.